Oh, excuse me, John chapter 10. Today we're going to be in John chapter 10. And the last time we saw in John chapter 9, a blind man received sight. But he didn't just receive physical sight, he also received his spiritual sight. The Lord wanted to save him in addition to just doing a miracle on his body. And that was a really good message Uh, And there was a lot of aspects to it if you weren't here last Sunday. And today we're going to cover the first half, verses 1 through 21 in John chapter 10. It's a great chapter. Uh, And this is where Jesus is portraying himself as the good shepherd. Now, he's spoken of himself before as the light of the world, as the bread of life, as the provider of living water. And these all had imagery. But in this chapter, he presents himself and he, he embodies all those things as well as the good shepherd. Now, in the Old Testament, this isn't a new new concept. If you're not familiar with the Old Testament, the Old Testament frequently God referred to leaders, especially spiritual leaders, as shepherds. And he would speak about good shepherds, good leaders, and false shepherds, and bad leaders. And even in Ezekiel 34, God, speaking through the prophet, says that I will personally, and this was a concept that the people couldn't grasp, that God was going to personally lead his people. He was going to be their shepherd. And Jesus really fulfills that in this portion of Scripture. So we'll jump into it. In verse 1, Jesus says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens... And the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. In context, in chapter 9, he just got done speaking to the religious leaders. Uh, He had an exchange. He rebuked them for their blindness about spiritual things and unwilling to open their eyes to the truth. And a lot of the complaints about religion today really started back then in those days. Unfortunately, the spirit of that still continues. So Jesus fought more with, uh, not physically, he fought more with the religious establishment, but the ones who were blatant sinners, he called them to repentance. right? Because at least their hearts were open, where the religious system, it wasn't. And it's no different today. The Bible tells us, If you think that, I'm just going to say this, if you think or your friends tell you or you heard some teaching that says things are going to get better and better and Christianity is going to convert the world, that's not scriptural. The Bible is very clear. In the last days, there will be a great apostasy, a great falling away. And what's going to happen is there will be more bad teachers, bad shepherds than there are good shepherds because people have learned, leaders have learned that there's a lot of money to be made off the back of Jesus Christ. Some ministries are self-glorification ministries. Don't care about the sheep, but we're going to talk about the hireling as we go through this. So the parables were designed to elicit a spiritual truth, and I'm going to go into some of the symbolism. The obvious, the good shepherd, Jesus, the Messiah. Two, the sheep, people who follow him as he offers, he's the only one who can offer salvation. Now, in that culture, you had to understand shepherding. Now, today, even in our uh, modern technology culture, we look out maybe in the Midwest and say, oh, they still, they're still cowboys, you know, they still herd up the sheep and goats, and that's kind of neat. 
but even they do it differently than the Near Eastern people would do it even to this day. We use sheepdogs. You know, it's easy that way. You know, the animals do the work for you. However, in that culture, it was by the shepherd's voice, and the, sh- and the sheep would know his voice. So the more I explain to you the idea or the concept of shepherding, this scripture is going to just blow up in your mind. It's going to make so much more sense. So what happens is, if you look at this stage, almost like the enclosure, what would happen was there would be a stone enclosure, maybe about four feet high, all the way around, most likely without a roof, in the form of pro- probably a square, and then there would be a small opening, maybe that a few sheep could fit through. And there might be a door and there might not be a door. So this is what you're looking at. And the shepherd would call out the sheep, the sheep would recognize the shepherd's voice, and sometimes the shepherd would name his sheep. Now, for us, if we took us to a farm, you saw a bunch of fuzzy little white animals, you'd say they all look the same. But the shepherd knew his sheep so well that he could see the distinguishing features of each one of those sheep. There would be a uniqueness there. Now let's take that parable, parable and apply it to the Lord. This is really neat. The enclosure is a picture of, you could look at the world, and there could be sheep everywhere. But the good shepherd has a specific pen for his sheep. And when we find him, we find salvation. Okay? We find protection. We have a lot of benefits from being in that enclosure of the good shepherd. And there's the concept of one door or one opening. Now, some will immediately jump to John 14:6, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. However, there was also one way that God prescribed for the Messiah to come into the sheep and shepherd that flock. And he said, the ones that try to climb up over the top, and it said, even in those cultures, the shepherd has to be on guard because they're sheep rustlers. And they'll try to climb quickly over the fence in the back and throw a lamb out, and their buddies catch the lamb, slit its throat. It's terrible. And then they, they make their way off. So the shepherd has to be on guard for the life of his sheep. So that's a good thing to uh, understand and, and get that background. What I love is that he knows his sheep by name. He knows me by name. He knows you, Terry, and you, Vivian, and you, James, by name. Everyone in this room. And as much as I try to learn all your names, I forget sometimes. But God knows your name. And God knows every hair that's upon your head. Now, as I get older each year, he has less of a job to do, especially in the front. But that's the uniqueness of you. I actually you know, officiated at two funerals, two dynamic, awesome saints that went to be with the Lord. And I expressed in the message their uniqueness and that of all the billions of people on the planet, there was no one like this saint, this dear departed saint. How is that possible? That out of billions of people on the planet, he can make each one of us unique. That's how much care and, 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 and craft that he puts into each one of us. So if you're feeling a little blue this morning, I hope that you understand that even with the shepherd, all them fuzzy little white animals, he says, hey, the, this one's unique, that one's unique. You are unique. Now let's go to the thief and the robber. This is someone who tries to get to the flock of God another way. This is someone who's a false leader. This is someone who has nefarious motives. His motives are not good. And four, the stranger's voice. 
Dave Hunt wrote a book called, he wrote many books, but one of them called The Seduction of Christianity. There are a lot of voices out there. And my concern for this generation, and I mean all of us living in 2012, whether young or old, my concern is that there's a lot of voices. There's a lot of books. There's a lot of media. There's a lot of movies. There's a lot of speakers. A lot of voices. People are being led in different directions. But Jesus said, the sheep hear my voice, and they won't listen to the voice of a stranger. We need to be trained on his voice. Very important. So, who is he speaking about? Well, certainly the, the uh, impetus or the drive is satanic. And Satan has his emissaries. And Satan, 2 Corinthians tells us, doesn't come as a creepy-looking creature. He comes as a beautiful angel of light. And his emissaries may be beautiful, may have you know, uh, perfect skin, may have perfect clothing, but they could be a wolf in sheep's clothing. So that's something to consider. Now, he's speaking about these false figures, false messiah-type uh, figures, and we can look at secular, we can look at religious, we can lump them together, we can look at political. We can look at the Stalins and the Hitlers and the Koreshes and the Jim Joneses. And even, unfortunately, in our society, we've been trained with this cult of personality. Famous people are rock stars. You know, Christian leaders in persecuted countries wear tattered clothes. They can show you the scars of the beatings they've taken to become Christians. We in America, in the Western culture, we're desensitized from, we don't, you know, we're isolated from that. Okay? But today, you have these figures, politicians, actors, rock stars, elevated, almost making, making gods out of them. And the truth is, they wouldn't know you if they bumped into you, right? Unless you're giving them money or elevating them to power. But they, they certainly will take and ride what you have, can offer them to continue their power base. Now, in Christ's situation, he dealt with religious leaders, spiritual leaders that were phonies. They pretended to be spiritual men, and they deceived many. But they were phonies. Right? They were false shepherds. And they were also false sheep that no matter what was exposed about them, they would follow these men and not follow the voice of God's word or the Messiah when he came. Now, in verse 3, we can look at the doorkeeper. Who is this doorkeeper? Now, you have to be careful when we get into trying to put a symbol on every little blade of grass or wave of wheat that Jesus speaks about in a parable because they're really designed to elicit a spiritual truth. But we can play with this a little bit. Let's look at the doorkeeper. Does he really have a meaning or does he not? Who, who could do this? Well, you could look at the law. When we look at the law and the Ten Commandments and we find out that even if we think bad thoughts that are sinful, we've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So the law could be that doorkeeper that opens up and says, you need Jesus. There's that Savior, the Good Shepherd. You need him. Some can look at the doorkeeper as grace. It's grace that brings us to a place of Jesus Christ. We are sinners, but we're saved by grace. Some can also look at the doorkeeper as good leaders, pastors, under-shepherds. Certainly not to the, to the qualifications or the quality of Jesus Christ, but what do I do this morning if I'm doing it right? What I do is I say, flock, there's Jesus. Jesus, flock, mingle. You know what I'm saying? What a, what a pastor or under-shepherd should do, and we see this in 1 Peter 5, we're called shepherds, is to lead people, not to us, not to our church, but to Jesus Christ. 
so you can have that relationship with your good shepherd. Now, there's a very important idea here that we can't miss. When we talk about voice patterns, some of you might know what's coming. It's, it's actually an issue of voice recognition. So the concept goes like this. <laughs> Even the baby in the womb can understand dad's voice when he comes into the house because he can pick up on his voice patterns. It'll come down. <laughs> What's so funny? <laughs> that was my voice, wasn't it? What broke the cadence of the message, the way things were moving along fluidly, was, you guys know my voice. And that freaked you out. That was weird. I certainly couldn't do a whole sermon like that. I'd probably pass out. But it's a voice pattern recognition issue. We hear the voice of our good shepherd, and we're trained on it. And when we hear something like that, we say, that's not biblical. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. That's not my Lord. And we start to pick up on the differentiation within voice patterns. Some, a person can call you on the phone, and you immediately, depending on how close you are, will say the person's name before they introduce themselves, because you're trained on their voice, even through the phone lines. Another really neat example was uh, my friend, my neighbor, really great guy, he got goats. He's got these four goats, and he keeps bugging me. Joe, you got to come over and look at my goats. He's a great guy. So Friday, he called me up. I really had nothing to do, so he talked me into coming and looking at his goats. So I'm hanging out with my buddy and four goats. <laughs> so it's not a real great time for a Friday afternoon. But I started making goat noises. What do you do when you're around animals? You make animal noises, right? After about a half an hour, I went to go home. And as I walked off of his property, his goat started following me. <laughs> Now, I don't know what I said in goat language, but it must have been pretty good. Well, he had actually shake a can of food to get them to come back. So they liked me. What are we listening to? Are we trained on the Lord's voice? There was a, an ad on a Christian radio station, and it went something like this. You might have heard it. You know, Jesus came for the Spirit, and he came to give you salvation, but, you know, with Jesus' sacrifice, it wasn't, it wasn't all sufficient for the mind and the, the psyche, and you need to come to our clinic, and we're going to help you with your mind issues. Really? Does that sound Christian? Well, it's on a Christian radio station, right? You listen to that radio station? It's not Christian. Jesus is sufficient for all. The more you read the scripture, and the more you see that his voice equals his word, the more you will pick up and say, no, that's wrong. I reject that. As a matter of fact, there was another article by Dr. Keith Ablow. He said, was Jesus the first psychiatrist? And he makes a great point for Jesus not only healing us Uh, spiritually, but healing us in every other way, in every other aspect, including emotionally. That was a good article. And the last thing he said, he spoke about Jesus' example, he says, you have to be willing to die to live. So I was like, all right, that's a better representation of who my Lord is and hearing his voice. So in verse 3, it says, the sheep hear the Lord's voice and he leads them. Are you one of his sheep? 
Now, don't get caught up on the whole thing of, I've been a Christian for two years and I've never heard a voice from you know, my ceiling and God starts speaking to me. Don't get hung up on that. Because we can actually hear suggestions and all of a sudden a thought pops up. And it's, a, it's an articulate thought. You say, gee, where did that come from? Well, let's do the research. Where does that come from? I will tell you this, that if you think that you have a suggestion from the Lord to do something and it goes against what the scripture said, it is not his voice and it needs to be rejected. The Lord will not tell you anything to do that goes against what he's already wrote in his word. Now, we hear voices all the time. Now, before you think, boy, you hear voices all the time. (laughs) Ministry's really got to Pastor Joe. (laughs) I mean, if you're at the store and... You know, you see an item on the shelf and it's a small item. Seriously, a thought might come into your mind is, put that in your pocket. No one will see it. Walk past the cash register. Shoplifting is an impulsive offense. It's an impulsive offense. It works on impulse, quickly, before anybody sees it. Do you think that's the voice of God? Of course not. It's either your own voice because you want it, you can't afford it, or it's the voice of the evil one, one of the two. If another voice competes, and you know, you've been through this, Another voice competes and says, well, do not steal is one of the Ten Commandments. I can assure you that that came from the right place. That's a very simple example. Still not convinced? Do a study on serial killers. David Berkowitz, son of Sam. Okay? He's saved now. He got saved in prison. Different person. Wants to stay in prison. Doesn't think he should get out of prison. He wants to finish the... He says he would hurt too many people for him to get out. So to me, I I see more genuineness there. But he said that when he was younger, he gave himself up to certain things, maybe uh, the occult and Ouija boards and suggestions and seances. And he said, after a while, I started hearing voices. And they would tell me what to do, and they would tell me to kill people. So you do a study on people and crimes, and you'll find that suggestions popped into their mind. Now here's the subtleness, and here's how we have to be careful is that what happens is we will start to hear voices and they seem right. You see, a false teacher will use about 98% truth and they'll use about 2% that's false, but that 2% can be severely heretical and anti-biblical. So be careful of that slow descent when we start to listen to suggestions or voices. So the shepherd calls his sheep by name, the sheep hear his voice, they follow him, And that's a relationship. Now, some of you may have come here this morning and said, a relationship? See, I know I come from a religion and you do this and you do that and you memorize this prayer and I'm good and I get to heaven, right? No. I'm here this morning to tell you that the the interaction between the sheep and the shepherd, it's a relationship. He has a caring, loving, protecting, sacrificial relationship with those sheep. We are called to have a relationship with God. Now, some want to stay in religion. I don't like what you're saying, Pastor Joe. Why? Because it involves effort. (laughs) If you've been around long enough, any relationship you have, even with your kids, it takes an effort. A husband and wife situation, parent and child, friendship, effort. Well, I don't need another effort in my life, Pastor Joe, but that is the primary relationship where all other relationships should flow from. Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. So keep that in mind. Now, some will say, 
Well, um, the Bible can't hold my attention. Okay, what else are we doing that we waste our time on? Hours of mindless television, video games, social networking. What about if you got a letter from uh, a loved one overseas? I don't care if it was 11 o'clock at night, somebody handed you that letter, you would open it because you love that person and you would want to know what it says in that letter. The Bible is God's love letter to us. Now, the legalist will tell you, well, you've got to read a chapter a day. Says who? You know what I'm saying? If you miss your reading and it's a busy day, uh, God's going to hate you? Absolutely not. The legalists, unfortunately, come in and ruin things like relationship. Sometimes we have good days, sometimes we have bad days. But our desire should be to hear the voice of God. I will say this as well. We can't say... We love God, I know God, or I'm close to God if we have a lifestyle that's completely antithetical to his word. All right? That's important. Uh, in 1 John 1.6, I've read it so many times, that we can't say we know God, we can't say we love God, we, lo- we walk in the light if we are living a lifestyle that's uh, abhorrent to him. We can say it, but there's no, there's no depth to it. Marching to the beat of our own drum may be cool culturally, but it has no place in Christianity. Christianity is a faith of obedience. Now, who wants to be obedient here this morning, really? (laughs) Oh, that's good. I mean, (laughs) I was expecting less hands because obedience, we live in the land of the free and the home of the brave. What's this obedience thing? What's this submission thing? That's the relationship that we have with our good shepherd. And it goes against our nature. It goes against our flesh. I want to direct my own life. I'm the master of my own destiny. I've heard all these things. I'm a self-made man. Well, I was that for 25 years. And then I found the Lord. And I realized he's the one who actually brought me freedom. And I would have saved myself and my family a lot of pain if I would have done that and made that decision a lot sooner in life. What we see here is that there are sheep that follow his voice. Now, that must mean that there are also sheep that do not follow his voice. I want to read to you Matthew 7, probably one of the most startling, powerful, hotly debated, and mostly avoided scriptures in the whole Bible. Matthew 7, 21. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. We never had a relationship. We never spoke. We never had intimate fellowship. Pretty powerful. There's... um. Just a little bit more on the voices issue. There might be a, a game that Pastor Vinny can, can do with the, the teens or whatever. I know he's, he does a lot of neat stuff with them. But there's this game, that somebody made it up, where you, um, you have to kind of get down on all fours with a blindfold and walk your way across the floor. But what you don't see is like piles of squishy oatmeal and stuff in different places. And you have one person that is whispering or speaking in your ear and telling you to avoid it. Go left. Take two steps forward. Then go to the right. But there's three other people that are yelling in that person's ear, telling them ways to purposely 
get caught in the oatmeal. Now, I kind of like oatmeal, maybe you can use something different, but you get the picture. That person, in order not to become a filthy mess at the end of the game, has to be trained on the voice of their companion, of the good voice, to negotiate themselves around the pitfalls. And that's the way life is. There's a lot of voices. We, we see stuff on the internet. We hear things on the radio. Technology is great. We're bombarded every minute of every day. Cell phones, texts, Twitters, instant messages. A lot of voices. But are we trained on the right voice? Are we trained on the shepherd's voice? Okay? Another interesting thing about shepherding is, in some villages, the enclosure would be a big enclosure. And it would have sheep from several different families. And at at the end of the night, they would put them all in that that pen to keep them safe. And what would happen is, let's say there were four shepherds, because there were four folds. To take turns, so the guys could go home and be with their families, the shepherds would take turns guarding that sheepfold. And every day, a different shepherd would come out and do that. But in the morning, what would happen is the shepherds would all assemble outside. And um, Penny has her. She's a shepherd. I'm a shepherd. Terry's a shepherd. And we would spread out. And we would turn around and face the sheep. And we would have our own specific call. And this, I heard, is an amazing thing to watch. The sheep would, you know, (laughs) flying out that, that doorway. And they would line up in front of their own shepherd based on that shepherd's voice. Isn't that powerful? (laughs) Jesus, nobody could use these parables like Jesus. No figure, no religious figure, no supposed leader could, could use examples in real life to explain spiritual truths like Jesus Christ. Just love this stuff. Verse six. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Well, understand that the dispensation of grace was new. However, there were some that didn't want to hear. They heard, but they didn't want to hear. They didn't want to understand. And that's clear as well. Seven. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. This is an expansive explanation. In other words, you're not just getting the symbols revealed. Now he starts to change the symbolism. It becomes more powerful. What happens is this new concept of Jesus is the door. Let's go back to the sheep fold, the sheep pen. This would be the small opening. And what the shepherds would do at night is literally, they would bed down and they would lie across that doorway. And they would make themselves comfortable. So if anybody was going to get to those sheep, they had to go through me first. They had to go through the shepherd. And that's Jesus' protective nature upon us. But understand this, John Wesley said that sheep are prone to wander and they often need to be searched for and brought back. Okay? And is it any different with people? I'm not offended by this because I can get off in a stupid direction. I could get off in a pity party. I could get off in things that I shouldn't do, omitting the things that I should do. 
So, you know, this is the situation. Jesus Christ is very protective over us, but sometimes we wander and we have to be called back. The other important point is this. Jesus said, I am the door. Some of you might have come from a church where the church said, we are the door. You can't be saved unless you go through us, unless you do what we say, unless you give us money. That's not true. Jesus said, I am the door. That eliminates the church. Like I said, my only function here is to get you closer to the one that bought you from the slave market of sin. That's my function. And then once you're saved, is for you to grow in your understanding through the word and your relationship with him. Then when I die, I can say to the Lord, I've done my job. He says, well done, my good and faithful under-shepherd. Come in to the joy of the Lord. That's all that I need to do. So, verse 9, it says, The sheep will be saved and they will go in and out through him. Now, again, John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. This whole sheepfold thing is a precursor to heaven. Ultimately, when we live out our lives and we go and we pass and our our bodies expire, we go to be with the Lord. So we go through the Lord. He's the portal. But he also provides while we're here that safety and protection. The second thing is Jesus also leads the sheep out and they go in and out and find pasture. What do the sheep feed on? Grass. (laughs) What do we feed on? When Satan tried to tempt Jesus with bread when he was hungry, and, and, and you know, fasting for 40 days. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Again, am I going to be a legalist and tell you, if you don't read this every day, you're in sin and you're going to go to hell? Absolutely not. That's ridiculous. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. It's a daily walk. Sometimes we're on on target, we're on spot. Sometimes a week later we look back and go, I'm really lacking, Lord, forgive me. You know, let me, I need to get back on track here. But what do we graze on? What do we feed on spiritually? His word. That's what nourishes us. When the sheep go out to graze, all the nourishment is in that grass to sustain them. Our nourishment spiritually comes from God's word. The thief's role, however, is expanded here. The thief's role is to steal and to kill and destroy. And we can say, oh yeah, those are just you know, horrible words that this really mean jerky thief does. But when we look at it, it is a progression to steal. He wants to steal you away from God. He wants to separate you from God. And then he wants to kill you. If he can get you away from God and away from his word and listen to the world's philosophy... And, and, and just fill yourself with fleshly things, then possibly he could even kill you because your lifestyle will be a wanton, lascivious lifestyle. And then the last thing is to destroy. To destroy. When he takes us away from God, if he takes people and he can succeed, which he can't, in taking the whole world away from God, there's a destruction aspect in, in hell, in condemnation, in judgment. That's his job. He hates you because you are the object of God's affection. And when you, when you believe in your heart that God doesn't love me, that nobody loves me, that I'm worthless, you are believing the wrong voice because that is not true. Now, I'll tell you this. 
that if you go to a church, listen, you don't have to go to Calvary Chapel. There's plenty of good churches right around this area. But if you go to a church and the word does not come out of the pulpit at all, he's already pulling you away from God. He's stealing you because you're not being fed spiritually. Now, the emissaries of Satan, people who unfortunately are evil, uh, false leaders, they will try to also pull you away from God. They will reflect their father, the devil, as Jesus said a few chapters back. But the good shepherd says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. This is a comparative corollary. It's a big word for what it means is we've already established what the thief does. In comparison to that, in contrast, the good shepherd gives you completely opposite what the thief is trying to do to you. Now, I'll tell you this, that even when I was younger, I believed before I was a Christian that the word was attractive, Jesus was attractive, salvation was attractive, protection was, you know, all these great things that the Lord offers. What took me so long is I believed the lie. And the lie was that I believed that God was going to take everything from me, he was going to make my life miserable, that I was going to be a, a monk and take a vow of silence, and I can't keep my mouth shut, you know? <laughs> so as you look at this, you know, I was lied to. When I finally came to Christ, I said, wow, I thought I had life back then, but I didn't. I was a slave to myself. He gave me life. He gave me everlasting life. And the life that I live now is more of an abundant life. That's the truth. So if that's your concern or your fear, I lived more years as an unbeliever than a believer. I'm living the dream now. You know what I'm saying? So we, we move on. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but he who is a hireling and not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. So we're introduced to a new figure here, the hireling. In the Greek, it literally means he's a wage worker. So he only watches the sheep because he's getting something out of it. And the, he does a crummy job taking care of the sheep, watching the sheep, because when the wolf comes, he's not going to fight that wolf. He's gonna, it's self-preservation time. I don't care what happens to the sheep, I'm out of here. I'm going to take care of myself. Look out for number one. So this hireling, they come in many forms. Sometimes hireling look to fleece the flock instead of feed the flock. They abuse the sheep. They want to, and you can make these parallels to today. Right? They abuse the sheep. They take from them. They'll take their wool when it's cold weather so they have nothing to keep themselves warm. This is what these people do. Now, you can look at hirelings in many forms. A hireling is also a leader that likes the following, but he's not feeding you the word of God. It could even be a service that's all emotions-driven. And when you go home, your adrenaline is up. We can hype ourselves in any type of frenzy. We're all hyped up. We feel good about service. What'd you learn? I, I don't know, but I feel good. You know what I'm saying? All that does is breed anemic sheep, sickly sheep, spiritually. Scripture taken out of context. The other type of hireling is a person who focuses on money, power. What, you know, listen, you could be a leader in anything. You could be a CEO, you could be a pastor, you could be a politician. There can be power in that. 
if you want to feed your flesh very easily. You can do things to continue to grow, 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 and then you become that. It's a pyramid scheme. Guess what? It all funnels up to the top guy. So, you know, they just want money, power. They, they, they'll suck anything they can out of the congregation. Instead of feeding you, you're there to feed them. Fleecers see a lot of manipulation. You know, unfortunately, sometimes on Christian stations, uh, you know, is say they word things in such a way that the elderly will give their last pension checks to these charlatans on TV because they're fleecing them. It's all about what they can get. I'm not about anytime soon to start selling prayer handkerchiefs. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Pastor Joe blows his nose. This is a special hanky right here. Forget it. <laughs> I had a discussion with another pastor, and we were having that, and I said, bro, my congregation wouldn't let me get away with that. If I did that tomorrow, they'd, they'd boot me out of here because I've taught you too well. I've done my job. I've built you up in the Word of God. I couldn't get away with that here. It's not going to happen. So yeah, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> the problem is the hireling leaves the sheep unprepared for the things of life. You could, I had a woman call me up when I was at staff at another church, and she was at a church for 10 years. And there was a simple thing that she didn't understand, and she was terrified. I'm like, don't you guys go through the Bible on Sunday? She goes, no, we really don't. They just throw scripture out here and there. She, you know, and and I, I walked her through. You know, it, was, it was an obvious thing as well. They leave the sheep unprepared for life's trials because there's no foundation, there's no equipment. Next concept, ownership. Jesus says in this short uh, passage that we read, four times he says he owns the sheep. On what basis? The basis is that he, he died on the cross, he gave up his life, he took upon our sins, and he bought us out of that slavery of sin and brought us into, into freedom. He purchased us with his blood. And again, you know, that's where it's at. I remember saying last Sunday at the altar call, when you're a slave to yourself and your own sin, it's a very unhappy place. It leads to depression. It leads to all types of things, all types of problems. I said last Sunday that one day we hate ourselves and the next day we're the president of our own fan club. You know, When it's all about the person in the mirror, it's this, up, it's down, it's up. And you know, there's 10 things I love about myself. There's 10 things I hate about myself. And we become so self-absorbed that we don't realize that there's people outside of us. Okay, so this is something to look at too. Jesus owns us. The good shepherd leads and the sheep follow. It's not the other way around. When we lead and we want the Lord to follow, it brings all types of problems. And again, some are offended. What do you mean own? Now, I've got to submit. I've got to be obedient. And he owns me. Nobody owns me. (laughs) And that's our mentality. We're talking about God here. We're not talking about another sinful human being. You know, oftentimes, not all the times, but a believer who has no power in their life, who's self-focused, who's just not, and I'm talking about a believer, usually the issue is a lack of submission. And that's hard to hear. When we're having trouble, when we're not getting it together, when we're tending to blame God for the circumstances in our life as believers, the first thing we need to do is look in the mirror and say, am I fully submitted to the Lord? Now, this kind of preaching sometimes gets me in trouble, but it's the truth. 
Does he own me? Am I submitted? Some will say, well, I, I need to find another job. That's what's going to do it for me. Or I need to find a, a, a mate. I need to find a girlfriend. Or I need to find a boyfriend. Or I need a change of scenery. I've got to get out of New Jersey. But what do we keep bringing with us when we go into these different situations? Ourselves. That's the problem. Fifteen. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And the other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. So the second new concept is this attitude of a shepherd laying down his life for the sheep. Now, in in terms of shepherding, well, okay, they would fight the predator or the thief, but they're not just going to lay down their life for the sheep. Of course, this is a reference to Christ's substitutionary death on the cross, him giving his life for us, so we don't just go around grazing in the field, but that we have a, 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 you know, an inheritance. We have a future in the afterlife. So it's a reference to the crucifixion, his substitutionary and atoning death on the cross. And the third new concept is the other sheep. The first group of sheep were really the Jews because Christ came for the lost sheep of Israel. Now, when he brought them into salvation... It was the Jew first and then the Gentile. I'm from a Gentile background. doesn't offend me. Because looking back retrospectively, we can see that we're all part of one flock. Right? One flock. Nothing. And what's really a blessing is that we have many in this fellowship that have Jewish backgrounds. We have a sister who tells her other Jewish friends they're very Jewish friendly. <laughs> so, so it's great. It's, it's a large tent and there's a lot of unity there. 17. Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. Fourth concept. He has the ability now, when he dies and he lays down his life, to take it up again. Who crucified Jesus? The Roman soldiers? The Jewish leadership? No, we did. If we didn't sin... He would have no reason to go to the cross. Okay? And understand this. Any other way to heaven, it's no way. It's got to come through the Lord. If we could have gotten to heaven through good works, then Jesus wouldn't have wasted his time. But he said, I lay down my life. The soldiers didn't take it. The leadership didn't take it. I laid it down so that though everyone in the world could have everlasting life. And I take it up again in the form of the resurrection. Verse 19. Therefore, there was a division among the Jews because of these sayings. And many said, he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And there's still a division today. What I find fascinating is, here's Jesus. 2,000 years later, you go into a social setting, go into a party next time you're out with mixed company and start talking about Jesus in the Bible. There, there are some, you, you won't be able to clear out a room fast enough. They will just disappear. You'll get disgruntled looks. You know, a lot of you have experienced it, and so have I. And they know I'm a pastor, so what do they expect? I mean, come on, <laughs> that's what I talk about. But he's still bringing division. You say, well, that's a bad thing. No, it's not. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace the first time. I came to bring a sword. He said, in your own household, there will be, be, be division when a person gets saved. 
because Jesus came purposely to break through the comatose spirituality of the day. And today, in 2012, you look around, there's still comatose spirituality. He came to say, I want you to be on fire for me. I want you to follow me. And that's going to cause problems in your life with people that you know, but this is, this is the right way. This is the real deal. This is the way. So I guess I would ask anybody here who doesn't know the Lord, are you one of his sheep? Do you think you're one of his sheep? Because it's predicated on knowing his voice. And if you find yourself wanting, is it something that you desire? Equally important as a believer, are you struggling emotionally? Are you struggling with faith? Are you struggling with other things? You may be in a point in time where you've lost your way and you just need to rededicate your life to the Lord. Really rededicate your life. There was a, a parable that Jesus spoke of in Luke 15, and he said that he said that when the shepherd has this flock of 100 sheep and one goes astray, won't he go everywhere? Won't he secure the 99 and go looking for that one that has gone astray? You might be that one that he's looking for today. Well, I'm insignificant. What are we up to, 7 billion people, 8 billion people on the planet? You're not insignificant. I don't know how he does it. Christianity is an individual faith, but it's also a corporate faith. He sees us as we partake of communion together, but he also loves us individually. And that's clear by, the, by knowing the sheep's name. I want to read to you Psalm 23, and then we'll close, and I'll briefly go over some of the, um, the meanings to it. Psalm 23, read at different functions. The Psalm of the Divine Shepherd really a precursor as well. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It means I also shall not lack. And if you don't have it, the Lord must think you don't need it. He makes me lie down in green pastures or pastures of tender grass. He leads me besides the still waters, a picture of provision. He restores my soul. In the Hebrew, that word has a double meaning. It also means the mind. The Lord is there to refresh us to give us peace, to give us stability. You, you know, I've seen believers, older, more mature believers that have gone through crazy things in their lives. Awful things have happened to them and the world can be falling down around them and they're just so peaceful, you know? Now, someone from the outside might say, man, that's weird, but I think I want some of that weirdness. But it, it's an awesome thing. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake his reputation. His reputation is on the line. He saves us and delivers those promises because he promised them. His reputation is at stake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me for your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Do you want that? Going through the valley of death, going through these experiences, but you know that the Lord's got your back. As the shepherd, he's got the rod and the staff, and whatever comes from the left or the right, he's going to take care of it. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Get a vision of that one. <laughs> Heartburn. <laughs> but he's there. You anoint my head with oil. Oil was also emblematic of the Holy Spirit. My cup runs over. I would tell you that my cup runs over. Amen. Amen. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Not until he gets tired of me, you know, not until he wants to make somebody else and throw me out. Forever. 
forever. Are you hearing his voice? Do you want to follow his voice? Maybe if you don't know the Lord, that you've heard some of the scriptures say, man, I've never heard that before. I've never heard that in a church before. The 99 sheep, the 9 billion sheep, and you're the one that strays, he wants you. He loves you. He made you. He put that uniqueness in you. He wants you to come back. Let's pray.